0: Coming up on Gangs All Here, Joe Douglas spread the love in his first NFL draft as GM, picking eight different position players. We evaluate the Jets draft, how the rest of the AFC East did, and look at overall NFL storylines with longtime New York Post sports columnist Mike Vaccaro. All that and more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You played to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Coz. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If using Apple, rate us five stars and write a nice review. Mike McCarrow joins us in the second half of the show. Let's get into how the Jets did in the draft. All right, the draft is in the books. The first Jets draft with Joe Douglas' general manager is over. We'll talk about how he did. He had nine picks in this draft, also made a trade at the end of the draft for a player. Uh, he spread it out. You know, two offensive tackles, a receiver, running back, quarterback, cornerback, defensive end, a safety, and a punter, and then traded for a cornerback as well with his last pick. So, uh, you know, I thought overall the logic of his picks was good, and I kind of, I'm not a guy who grades J- drafts right after they're over. I think it's a silly exercise. You never know how these guys are going to play until they get on the field. I agreed on logic, and his logic was okay with me. I, I think if you wanted to nitpick, you might say he should have taken another wide receiver. I can see that argument. Although the idea that you know a wide receiver on the third day is going to come in and contribute right away, also I think is a little misguided. They might, but they the, the odds are that they won't. So I, I think you know Denzel Mims in the second round is going to help Sam Darnold. Makai Becton in the first round is going to help Sam Darnold, and that's really what this offseason's all been about: building around Sam. Uh, he wasn't going to fix everything. In one offseason So he still has work to do And they'll still tinker with the roster Coming up here, there's still free agency Uh, There's still free agents out there, I should say And I think there's going to be a wave of free agency this week Where people address needs Um, So we'll talk about all, all that I'll bring in producer Jake Brown right now Jake, how did you think the Jets did? That
1: SOB, Joe Douglas I think he did a terrific job And I know we can't judge drafts immediately I get that, we can't give him a grade But in terms of spreading the love And being able to get eight different positions which consists of your franchise left tackle, you got your, what could end up being one of your top receivers, and a jersey that I will immediately get in Mims who is a rapper that I actually out-wrapped in a freestyle a couple years ago so I love Mims and I think the fact that they traded down to still be able to get him was very good. I know a lot of Jets fans are like, why are you getting a safety? Ashton Davis is a guy who could play a little bit of corner too. You know Greg Williams he's going to have some fun with Ashton Davis it also means, hey, maybe you don't want to trade Jamal Adams, but if that price tag becomes too much, maybe he's his replacement. And it's not like Marcus May is this all-world safety. It's good to have another one. Listen, he got he got a backup running back. He got a pass rusher. He got a backup quarterback. He got a little uh, line depth with Cameron Clark. He got a Bryce Hall who they expect to be a contributor and who dropped in the draft because of his ankle injury. And they got a starting punter. So I don't think you could be mad at Joe Douglas. I know, you know from jets people and jets twitter and, and fellow fans were a little mad that they got a quarterback in the fourth round but listen they stunk when sam darnold did not play and if sam darnold god forbid got hurt again you don't want to throw david fails out there so it's good that they got a quarterback that could potentially be their future backup
0: yeah a few a few things to hit on there the, the davis pick in the third round i know people were a little taken aback like you said he's a safety he's not this has nothing to do with jamal adams he's not that that he's more marcus may than jamal adams he's a deep safety i think it has to do with that's a position where you need depth you know you you need three guys there because you can play three guys you can play a big nickel with three safeties uh if someone gets someone gets hurt he can go in there look at the patriots jake and you know jets fans know the patriots really well what do they always have they always have a boatload of defensive backs like deron Harmon and patrick chung and devin McCourty. like they throw a lot of safeties at you. The, the league right now is all about guys who are Versatile and can do a lot of things. That's Davis He can. He's a hurdler, hurdling Champion at Cal. Very athletic Guy. You know, I think he's gonna, I think fans Are gonna like him when they see him. James Morgan, my philosophy on the quarterback Is, you know, if there's one out there that you like Go ahead and take him. In this fourth round I'm fine with taking someone who's a bit of a project You know, this wasn't Christian Hackenberg In the second round. This is the fourth round That's when you do this. I don't think Morgan will probably Be able to do anything this year, but I Think they'll work on it. And like you said, he could be a long time backup for them once they get him up to speed and kind of work with him. Paul was a pick that I really liked. People thought he should have come out after last year, coming to the draft and left Virginia. He decided they thought he'd be a first round pick. He decided to stay, end up really you know suffering a terrible ankle injury, broke his ankle, also tore a tendon. You know, so he he had a really rough road to come back from that injury. The Jets say they're happy with the progress he's made, think he'll be ready. He could be a steal if he can play, if, if he's healthy enough to play. I mean, he has a lot of talent, so I like that pick. I love taking a punter in the sixth round, Jake. Punters need love too.
1: Yeah, and they need a kicker. You think too? I mean, Brett Maher is going to be their guy right now.
0: Fickens on the roster. I mean, I think Sam Fickens is number one and Maher's number two right now. Oh,
1: that's so. that's alarming. If that's the case, I <laughs> I hope yeah, Sam Fickens not the week. You, you couldn't have so. the kicker and a
0: punter. You can't yeah. do
1: that. Well, Of course, of course. I'm glad they got a punter. Well, a lot of people knocked that. They're like, what are you doing, picking a punter? But listen, special teams is important, and the Jets were used to punting a lot last season. So it's good if they could have a good one that could uh, pin them back and. Uh, You talk about Bryce Hall. They really did a solid job of getting cornerbacks because Bryce Hall, again, was a steal. They traded for Quincy Morgan. Listen, that's more probably a depth guy from the Colts. But listen, you trade a seventh-round pick for a guy who's already got a little experience under his belt. I'm a fan of it. And then you look at, we'll talk in a second about their undrafted free agents. Lamar Jackson's finally here. It's not the one that they want, but they did get a Lamar Jackson. So hopefully he has some similar skill to his namesake. And uh, they got Javelin Guidry, too. So they got, and Shaheem Carter out of Alabama. So they got three cornerbacks. Cornerbacks on the undrafted market—they got a fifth-round steal. So you talked about injuries setting guys back. You could say the same for Jabari Zuninga, who got hurt in his in his final year at Florida, and he was a third-round pick. And I know people were tweeting me, "Ah, no, it was a bad pick." But listen, I think an injury really hurt his stock a little bit. You just hope that he's not Jakai Polite uh number two, right?
0: He's not Jakai Polite because listen, when we knew when they drafted Jakai Polite, there were issues there. That's why Jakai—the reason Jakai Polite was in the third round was because of his character, and that was clear right, right from the start. Zuniga's in the third round because of the injury, the ankle injury like you said. he He's a productive guy when he's healthy. He just couldn't stay healthy. You know, he was I think he was injured once earlier in his career, played through it, and then last year missed a bunch of games because of the ankle injury. You know, Did they fix the pass rush with Jabari Zuniga? I, I'm skeptical of that. You, third round picks generally don't come in and light the world on fire as pass rushers. But like I said, he couldn't fix everything. He obviously prioritized offensive line, both in free agency and then with the first round pick with Makai Beck And so I think the offensive line will be better. He gets a receiver in the second round, which is what everybody wanted. So I think he, he, you know, check off the box there. I think after you get past those two rounds, it starts being really like the best player available on the board. Not so much the needs. Cornerback is still a really big hole on this team. If you look at it, you know, Bryce Hall is a roll of the dice. I like the pick, but you can't say, oh, he's going to be starting. Like there's no way you can say that. You don't even know if he's going to be able to be on the field. Uh, he could be sort of like bless Austin last year and miss the first half of the season and come in the second half you just don't know health wise where he's at you know they have Pierre Desir who they signed in free agency I would pencil him at one starter and I think Quincy Wilson another Colts former Colt he has a chance to start on the other side along with Arthur Millett and bless Austin who I mentioned who did some you know did some good things last year but cornerback to me is still a pretty big hole on this team I would not be shocked if they went out and signed a veteran here in the coming days Jake
1: yeah I think corner is probably their biggest hole but at At least there is depth there. It's not like we're talking to old world players, but they did get some depth in getting Wilson and getting Hall, and maybe one of these undrafted guys makes the cut. You like to see when you see some of these undrafted guys where they went to school and the kind of competition that they went up against. And when you read Alabama, when you read Nebraska, Utah, Georgia, you know these guys, you know, they these aren't division two players. We know the Patriots went out and higher in the draft picked a division two guy from a school that I didn't even know existed in Lenoir Rhine. So at least you see guys who had good competition and listen I think the Jets are a better overall team now than they were last week I think Joe Douglas in my opinion hit it out of the park and I think receivers going to be interesting because you look at the receiving unit now and it's Paramon, Crowder Mims and the big question mark is Quincy Inunua if he is healthy that's turns into a solid one through four punch with Bellamy Docks, and Barrios as your backups the big question is Ken Anunwa from such a serious injury and multiple injuries come back healthy but if he does Cause then you're much less worried about receiver than you were.
0: Yeah, I'd be shocked if you ever see Quincy and will play for the Jets again. To be honest with you, like that—that like that to me is a long shot. Do you think um, they
1: cut him, or or do you think it's because injury related? Uh, I don't. Anymore.
0: I don't know how to end, but I don't think it's going to end well. I think both health wise, and then his little tantrum last year uh, on Twitter did not do him any favors with the organization. So he has to get. They they can't cut him right now because he's not healthy. If they cut him right now. They they owe him eight million dollars, and that doesn't make any sense. So I think it could continue. He could be on the pup list all year and just not play you know it could be that like but I'm just I'll be I'm just saying I'll be shocked if I see him on the field again for the Jets receivers it's interesting there's a lot of question marks can Perriman do what he did at the end of last year uh how fast can Mims develop I mean this was a really productive guy in college he had 28 touchdowns I saw some people comparing this to Stephen Hill this isn't Stephen Hill Stephen Hill had I think it was 48 total catches in his college career because he played in a you know option offense this is not Stephen Hill Mims is a very productive guy in in that Baylor offense can make contested catches he had some drop issues I was told those are kind of overstated that you know they weren't exactly he wasn't exactly wide open catching passes and dropping them the, the receivers I still have some some concerns there but I think when you evaluate the receiver position Jake you also have to take into account that Le'Veon Bell had 66 catches last year in a year where Jets fans said they didn't use them enough right so but he had 66 catches Chris Herndon you hope he comes back healthy Ryan Griffin will be back the receiving core in and of itself is not overwhelming but they do have a good tight end situation and they have a running back who can catch passes and uh, Pirine, the fourth round pick he caught 40 passes last year at Florida which so he can catch passes as well so, so they you know Sam Donald does have they're not the greatest weapons in the world but there's some weapons here
1: and there is still and you can let me know I mean we'll see about contracts what the financial situation is but there are a couple of names in free agency like you said still out there if they want to address receiver there's a guy like Paul Richardson there's uh, Demarius Thomas that they want to bring him back, who actually was solid. I know he's
0: 32, but he wasn't bad. I would bring Demarius Thomas back. Here's why. He was great in the locker room, and I think Mims could use someone like that. you know to learn from he also played for gase in denver he knows the offense inside and out i think he helped adam last year in teaching the offense i always think coaches can use guys like that who have been around their system before i go back to rex ryan he brought in jimmy leonard and bart scott and marcus douglas and those guys taught rex's defense to the jets when he got here so you know i would i would try to bring the maris back you're going to see a lot more free agents signed jake this week than usual because the jet the nfl changed the formula for compensatory picks the way, you know, I know everyone is fixated on compensatory picks these days. And the way the formula works is, you know, if you sign more players or sign less players than you lose, you get, usually get compensatory picks. Usually if you sign guys through June, that counted toward the formula, they changed it at four o'clock today. The players that you sign no longer count in the formula. So you can sign guys now and not worry about, you're going to lose a compensatory pick. So you're going to see a rush this week on, on signings. Uh, and I think, you know, cornerback Logan Ryan is out there. The Jets could sign him at corner. Uh, um, you know, and Demarius could come into play. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a wave of free agency this week.
1: Yeah, there's other solid receivers. I mean, Jerry's right: Rashard Higgins, Dwayne Harris, who I like, um, who could be a special teams guy as well. Chris Hogan, Jermaine Curse. If you wanted to bring him back, yeah, uh, he
0: suffered a pretty serious injury last year. I don't know where he is health-wise.
1: Jordan Matthews. Uh, if
0: yeah, there's got like and like we fixate on in March free agency always, right? And that's understandable. Those are the big names, but a lot of times you pick up players. Later, that are big contributors. Like the Jets signed Ryan Griffin last year in July. It was basically like two days before training camp. And look what Ryan Griffin meant to that team last year. He was huge when Herndon went down. So you never know. They they could find some gems here in the next couple of months that could contribute this season.
1: And having that Herndon Griffin combo makes you worry a little less at receiver. I like to see them work package where both of them were on the field because both of them are effective. Herndon the big issue is off the field and injuries. But if that guy stays healthy, if Griffin. And stays healthy, uh, you're worried a little bit less. And that was a position that they didn't truly need to address. They have Daniel Brown and Trayvon Wesco as backups as well. So they're not too worried at tight end.
0: No. And I thought, you, you know, if you're looking for silver linings in the way things went last year with injury wise, there was a lot of guys who played who wouldn't have played normally. Trayvon Wesco comes to mind. He, he probably wouldn't have gotten much playing time last year, but he ended up playing quite a bit because Herndon was hurt all season. And then Griffin went down at the end of November. And he, he made two you know two big plays I think it was in the Giants game came up with a a, he actually gave him the ball as a fullback on fourth and one and then threw to him on a third and one I can't remember if it was a Giants game or which game that was but he had two big plays he got a lot of solid playing time and he'll benefit from that now you know this year and there's other guys like James Burgess that are are similar stories that because of those injuries last year they got to play a lot and I so I think they like Wesco Uh, Daniel Brown's more of a blocking tight end but yeah they're, they're pretty good at tight end if they can stay healthy
1: and I'm excited for Denzel Mims and even if it's a stadium full of no fans I know Kaz, you will be bopping your head to when this is why I'm hot the 2006 or 2007 Jose Reyes walk up song Uh, one of the top downloaded ringtones of all time. This is why I'm hot is blasting in a speaker full of empty fans and nobody in the building (laughs) at MetLife Stadium. Uh, I don't even know if they'll have a a DJ to play music there. Who knows who will be there? might just be silence. If that does happen,
0: the season does happen, do you think you and the media will even be allowed to go? I don't know, Jake. I've wondered that myself. I don't, I'm I'm not sure. I'll, I'll say this though, like, if we were allowed to go, press boxes are huge. Like especially newer stadiums, they build a press box with the Super Bowl in mind because they're all trying to get the Super Bowl. So for the Super Bowl, you need a certain amount of seats in the press box. There's always a ton of empty seats in the press box for regular season games. So I think they could do it where they limited the number of press allowed, and we could easily social distance in the press box. I, I don't think we'll be allowed in the locker room if we we're allowed at the game. I, I think uh, it's going to be a long time before I'm in a locker room again. I, I believe that. So uh, they would probably do like press conference situation where you wouldn't. Get get as many players but yeah it's crossed my mind it's obviously way down the list of things of importance right now but it has crossed my mind of what what will happen when the media if you remember jake before everything really shut down the first thing they sort of stopped was the media remember like yeah they closed the locker rooms to the media and hockey and basketball uh at spring training too they started having like those ropes around i remember it was aaron judge or john carlos stanton they ropes around them uh you had to stand like you know certain Distance back, so I think uh, I think it's gonna be you know different whenever we get back to it.
1: Yeah, and I think the season's gonna happen, but we'll see how it does happen. And you know, the first virtual draft I think was fine. Not a lot of slip ups. I think Roger could tell after the first round that man was tired. I mean, he was sitting back, and we don't know if he was drunk or just tired, but he was just devouring M and M's at, at a pace like <laughs> no other. It was kind of like me having my glazed pop donuts all weekend and cookies, but he was going through M and M's. He was just out of gas. So that's something. uh if, if they do it again, they might. Need replacements each round because he was clearly tired. And Joe Douglas, that was cute. You know, his, his kids there, his wife. That was a cute little family affair. So I was actually a fan of this, and I wouldn't mind if they had virtual drafts in terms of having the GM and the front office all in the same house, and you make it like a Thanksgiving dinner, and you're all home together, you got a home cooked meal, and you hang out versus doing it at the facility.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think they're gonna do that. You know, they 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 build these war rooms at facilities, and you know they work. That's where they work all the time. So I think I I like. I thought it was humanizing for these guys, because a lot of times, especially these head coaches, you don't get to see their human side very often. they see them with their kids. You see Adam Gase with his kids in his house, Uh, his son wearing a Le'Veon Bell jersey too, by the way. Uh, So maybe he doesn't hate Le'Veon as much as everybody thinks. (laughs) But I thought it was good in in that regard to see them at home. But I'm I'm skeptical about how much this will affect drafts going forward. I think uh, there's a lot of money to be made with having them in Cleveland and uh, Nashville and Dallas and moving them around. So I think they'll continue to do that. I I think teams would be reluctant to, I think they want to go back to their facilities, but maybe, maybe the kids are allowed to be at the facility, Jake. And so maybe, you know, the, the, their kids can come in after the pick is made or they do something like that.
1: What about the dogs? Can you bring the dogs, too? Because the dogs, dogs are true. important. Dogs
0: too. Yeah. yeah, Christopher Johnson's dog's always at the facility. So, you know, he, he brings his dog around. So I, I don't see why not. Yeah, but I think maybe incorporate the families that way. And because once the pick is made in the first round, it's basically a party. At the facility for them like you know there's not a lot more work to be done unless they're going to trade back into the first round so you know the third day is a little different but the first two days once the picks are in they could bring their families in and have a moment with them so i i think that maybe could happen
1: i don't even remember what the word party you speak of is it involves it's more it's the only <laughs> party i know is house party the app that my family will facetime me on yeah <laughs> that's what my kids keep using <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk for a minute before you get to a couple audio from these, these picks. And before you get to vac about the, the Patriots, I mean, they didn't get a quarterback. Their first pick was a safety out of a school in North Carolina, lenoir Rhine noir where I also discovered that there is a long Island, North Carolina, which I had no idea. Um, and I lived there for a year. Their draft was not very good. You know, they, they got a kicker in the fifth round, which was interesting. They went back to back tight ends. They didn't get really any playmakers and no receivers, uh, no running backs. Didn't get a quarterback. See, I don't want to write off the Patriots ever, but it sure looks like this team has entered rebuild mode.
0: It does. And, you know, I'm not going to throw their their draft away. You never know um, in these drafts. I will say this. I I do a story every year where I look at the last five drafts of every team, and the Patriots have not drafted very well for a while now. There's two teams, Jake that in the last five years have not picked one player who's made a Pro Bowl. The Bengals and the Patriots. Those are the two teams. Now, they've had some good, you know, Joe Tooney's a pretty good lineman. Uh, They've had some other guys, you know, Sonny Michelle's had his moments. But in terms of guys making a Pro Bowl, which isn't that high a bar, because a lot of guys make the Pro Bowl, they haven't had anyone. You know, the thing that stands out to me, Jay, everyone's focused on the offense and Brady. Their defense was great last year. And they lost a lot of guys off of that defense. Van Noy... Uh, Jamie Collins, uh, Landon Roberts. They let a lot of guys walk from that defense. I'm very curious about to see what their defense looks like this year, in addition to how they look without Tom Brady there. So it does feel like they're rebuilding. You know, everyone, I think, is going to be hesitant to write off the Patriots, like you said, because you—you know, Bill Belichick is still there. There's some question marks on that roster.
1: Where does the AFC East stand before we we'll close with this Kaz, where does the AFC East stand now? Is this the Bills division? Have the Jets done enough this offseason to be considered a contender for the playoffs? Are the Dolphins much improved? How do you look at the AFC East right now?
0: I think it's the Bills and everybody else right now. You know, the Bills are way ahead of everybody. Uh, Obviously, they were a playoff team last year. They have a really good defense in place. Uh, they built pretty well around Josh Allen. I think you know they've done a good job there. They they added Stephon Diggs this offseason. So, I think the Bills are are far ahead of everybody else. And then I think it's a race for second. It's, you know, it's. Weird. Usually it's a race for second behind the Patriots, but I think now it's a race for second behind the Bills. Uh the Jets are better. I still don't see them as a playoff team, Jake. I think the only thing that can change that is if Sam Darnold really makes a huge leap in year three. If he does that, then then things are different, you know. But if he's sort of the quarterback we saw last year, um, I still don't think they're a playoff team. I think they, they still have a lot of holes on this roster. All right, before we get to VAC, let's hear a few sound bites from a couple of the Jets draft picks.
1: All right, Kaz, let's hear from second-round pick out of Baylor, the wide receiver Denzel Mims. This is why he's hot.
0: I feel like I'm um, well. One, my game uh, with blocking, like my blocking stands out. Like my contestant catches stands out. and I feel like I, I make plays all around the field. I know that when it comes down to crunch time and come down to the end of the game, that I want the I want the spotlight. I mean, I want to be the one to help the team get the victory, and I want everything on on, on me on my shoulders.
1: All right, let's hear from fourth-round pick running back out of Florida, LaMichael Ryan, who talks about already feeling at home with the Jets. It's amazing. So, um, I mean, I know a few guys, a few Gators that's on the New York Jets, and I got a few uh, high school uh, friends. Uh, C.J. Mosley, he's from my hometown. Marcus May, uh, Jabari Zuniga, just uh, all-around good character guys. Um, So, I mean, I'm feeling at home when I get up there, so I'll be all right. All right, let's hear from another Jets fourth-round pick quarterback out of FIU, James Morgan. Who talked about what strengths he brings to the Jets? My top strength is really my preparation. Um, you know, everything that I do, um, you know, week in and week out to help our team win. Um, you know, I'm a very good leader. I'm a really uh, good competitor on the field. I say my biggest strength is my arm strength, and that makes me, you know, uh, good with anticipation and throwing in windows other guys can't. Uh, anticipating and putting the ball in different positions. So I'm very confident with that. I think I can make any throw in the field. But I'd say my biggest asset is my hard work and anything I can do to help the team win.
0: All right, I want to welcome in now Mike Vaccaro, New York Post longtime sports columnist. You can follow Mike on Twitter, at Mike Vac, and read his stories in the New York Post or at nypost.com. Vac, I know you were locked in on this draft. Uh, How did you think Joe Douglas did in his first draft as Jets GM?
2: I'm going to quote uh, a wise man in the Post. Tell me in three years. I think that was your. I think that was your analysis, and I think that's the uh, the only way you can you know, judge any draft. I mean, you know, gosh, I think uh, people were were really excited in past years where they drafted Johnny Lamb, Jones, and and Milner and Golston. We can go through the whole list. So it's just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. I mean, I think that Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. I, I, I like the moves he made to try and, and get multiple players because I I think I'm also quoting you with this. The one thing the Jets really need more than anything else are good football players. They, you know they have a dearth of those right now on the roster, and you know adding players who can help you win. I mean, you know we'll, we'll, we'll judge their body of work in two and three years from now, but. Uh, Getting the kind of players that can fill out a roster where you're not scratching your head wondering if we're ever going to get to the full fifty three, I think that's a good start.
0: Yeah. And one thing he did was he and I wrote about this early last week was you know, he put character at the top of the list, you know, and football character really. You know, there's just difference between personal character and football character in these guys' minds. And if you looked at his Saturday picks, all all of them were captains of their team, including the punter. So I think that tells you the kind of guy he was looking to draft. Now I know Mekhi Beckton had the flag drug test at the combine, but everyone you talk to says that was a anomaly and that's not really who that guy is. So this is for the first time that I can remember the Jets prioritizing character like this since the Mangini days, because Rex thought he could coach anybody and Todd was kind of the same way. Uh, and and McCagnan brought in a lot of guys who, who didn't work out character. Do You like that philosophy of kind of putting
2: character at the top of the list. I love that philosophy. I'll be honest honest, and it's not just because you want a bunch of you know, well-behaved schoolboys on your team. You, you you want guys, you know, when, when you're the captain of a major college team, it tells you that you have a pretty high football IQ in addition to being good at your job, and I think that's exactly the kind of player you want, especially when you're trying to build something. I mean, I think, look, if the, if the Jets had this long history of a winning culture, like the Patriots have, or like the Chiefs have now, or, you know, a, a, other teams like that, then you you, you, you you I don't think you worry about it as much because you figure the players are going to come in and learn from the guys who are already there. i not Saying the guys the Zitz already have are a bunch of slugs. I'm just saying that clearly they've had a problem with building a, a positive culture through the years. So I think the one way to really start that, if you're starting from zero, is to bring in guys of high quality and high character. And look, you're not going to be named team captain unless the coaches think that you're worthwhile and the players think you're worthwhile. And I think that's a really good sign, a good indicator. Doesn't mean they picked a bunch of all-league players, but it does mean that they. I, th- I think they're heading in the right direction with that. And Becton, look, I mean, I, I like you said. I mean, you know, sure you're going to be flag. You're going to be worried about the red flag that showed up. Uh, in uh, at the combine, but to me, I mean, you know when. When that guy when that guy stood up on on TV when he was drafted, I mean, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, how's anybody going to get to Sam Darnold now? I mean, that's probably the first. I
0: think they should have signed yeah. his dad too, Vax. Don't
2: <laughs> don't Those would be bookend tackles. I know when I first saw his dad, I'm like, man, this guy really is big, but man, he looks old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the culture thing is funny because I know sometimes fans get tired of hearing about culture, but like, it's really true. Like when you're around a team with good culture, like it stands out to you. And teams like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Patriots, guys go in there and they know what to expect. Like they just know what it means to be a member of those teams. The Jets have gone through so many different GMs and coaches and rebuilds that it's like a mishmash of guys. There's no real standard there. So they they need to establish that. And I know, you know, we both spent time around the Yankees back when they were winning championships and uh, were in the playoffs every year. And there was that room had a standard and you could feel it. And it came, from Jeter and Posada and Pettit, like in Rivera, like you could feel that in Bernie Williams. You know, I just think the Jets need to get there somehow.
2: That's a real thing, and you know, you you know, you pick up. You, you mentioned the, the Yankees. I'll, I'll mix metaphors even more and go with the with the team everybody's watching now, which is the old Bulls because of the documentary series. And look, you know, there there was a distinct difference between when Michael Jordan was simply the best player in the NBA and guys wanted to play with him because that was cool. And after they'd established something, you know, by the time that they established that they were champions, players would come to that team. You know, guys like. Ron Harper and, and Dennis Rodman and, and, and they would want to live up to what was already established there, which was a culture whether you like to say the word or not, that's what the Bulls developed over time, it's what the Yankees developed over time, I'd argue that's what the Giants developed, certainly under Parcells and I would say under under Coughlin also uh, you know, you can scoff about it all, all you want, but it really is kind of a basic building block of which you want to build is something that lasts more than a couple of weeks at a time
0: Someone pointed out to me with Sam Darnold guys coming into the team now, this is going to be Sam Darnold's team and Jamal Adams team too. When they arrive, it's not going to be guys. Most of the guys who were here when Sam Darnold was a rookie are gone. So it's not like they, they're going to view him as a little kid coming in. You know, like I think Sam can step up the leadership now a little bit more. That he's going to be one of the guys, even though he's still so young. Uh, amazing, James Morgan back the fourth round draft pick. The quarterback is older than Sam Darnold. That they. Think. That's and amazing. Joe is Bur- oh. older than him too. But I still think you know Sam now in year three can establish it a little bit more of, of that leadership. But what Vac, What did you? Um, what do you make of where? the the Patriots are right now with you know not only losing Tom Brady, but they lost a lot of free agents on defense, and then their, their draft was a little... Uh, raised some eyebrows with taking a safety from Lenore Ryan in the second round. I know you're very familiar with L- Lenore Ryan football, so you could give us a, a breakdown of that player, but what do you think of where the Patriots are now and where AFC East is right
2: now. You laugh, Brian, but I happen to know the athletic complex in Illinois Ryan is named after Neil Migichi, who was the uh, interim, interim Duke basketball coach at some point. We we, we, we know his daughter better as uh, Ashley Fox, who also kind yep. of the league for many years, but um, y- y- you know, I mean, look, I I think I think Bill Belichick has what he's always wanted <laughs> in a secret, weird way that he's not beholden to Brady. I mean, now, now we get to see what he's like when he's building something again from the ground up, and not really from the ground up. This team did go to the AFC Championship game, pieces of it, David, we're there. And obviously, you're talking about culture. Obviously, there's no more visible sign of a of a culture. So I guess that's going to get a test also. Uh, but it really is kind of curious. I mean, you wonder. I believe in muscle memory, and I believe that teams that that you know have a, you know know how to win will, will will continue to learn how to win, especially if the if the leadership elements are still in place. But boy, I'll tell you what, you look at that team right now, and of course, they're not playing any games right now. They're playing games hopefully in. Four months, but um, it, it, it really is going to be. I think that's going to be more as as fascinating in some ways as watching what Brady and Gronk do in Tampa because. Uh, you know, we, we, we've always kind of wondered who the who the real keys of the kingdom belong to, whether it was the quarterback or the coach. Uh, you know, the owner wants to have, you know, his press probably in that conversation also. But, you know, now we're really going to, if the Patriots can actually sustain this. And, of course, we all know the way things go in this world, right? They'll probably wind up 3-13, and 13, but that'll be enough to be able to get uh, the kid from Clemson to be the quarterback next year. So that's kind of how, that, that's, that's a nice way to build a culture, a culture also. But
0: Well, um, well, that you just made all the Jets fans throw up out there, so you accomplish- <laughs> Mission. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence with Bill Belichick. That, that's good. That'll be another 20 years of misery for Jets fans. <laughs> Bill um, Belichick
2: officially 85 in that case. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vac. Well, thanks for joining us. I'll see you down the road. Sounds good, Brian. Be well.
0: You play to win the game. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show all season subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. We'll be back later this week for our season finale episode, which will be an interview with a very special guest. Stay safe, everyone. Talk to you then.